Welcome along to the 15 for 30 podcast here on Balls that are you with me, Mick McCarthy. 15 for 30 is our weekly GA series where we get you to name the best 15 of the last 30 years for your county. We've done four weeks of it so far. We've had the Mead footballers, Donegal footballers, the Waterford hurlers, and the Tipperary hurlers. And today, the fifth of the series, we're going to get the best team of the last 30 years for Armagh football. If you want to vote for that team, you can get on to Balls.ie right now and do so. Just go to the GEA section and you can vote for your 15 players. You have got until Saturday to do so and we will reveal on Saturday afternoon the final 15. Today, we're going to talk to Niall McCoy. Niall is a journalist with Gaelic Life newspaper and he's also a drumming team man. So he is perfectly suited to give us his perspective on what his best 15 is. Armagh, of course, 2002, All-Ireland champions. Uh, be interested to see how much of that great team, the kind of, you know, 2002 to 2005 um, team will make that team. But there has been some great players ever since as well. So we'll get into all of that with Niall in a few minutes. He'll pick his team. You can go and pick your team as well. And we will add up the votes at the end of the week. Now, just before we get to Niall, though, we had Tipperary um, last week, and there was a lot of votes for Tipperary, a lot of arguing over the course of the week, as there tends to be with 15 for 30. But we did come to a final consensus, and the team uh, of Tipperary hurlers from 1990 to 2019 is as follows. Don't forget, five All-Irelands in that time, so and well spread out as well, from 91 to 2019. So lots uh, of players to choose from, and some big names missed out. In goals was an obvious one. It was Brendan Cummins, five-time All-Star. A full backline of Carl Barrett, Paul Curran, and Michael Cahill. A half-back line of three Mars, Brendan Marr and brothers Ronan and Porrick. Um, not really too much dispute there. A midfield of Tommy Dunn and Noel McGrath. A half-forward line of Lar Corbett, Declan Ryan, and John Lahey. And a full-forward line of Owen Kelly, Seamus Callanan, and Nicky English. So, who's missing out there? Well, Bonner Marr, of course, three-time All-Ireland winner, centre-forward. He actually had more votes than Michael Cattle and Paul Curran. But obviously, when you're trying to put a team together, that's the way it works. There was no kind of forward left out. There was nobody to move back into the backs or back into midfield. So, uh, Bonner, unfortunately, misses out. 1991 hurler of the year, Pat Fox. Doesn't get into the team, neither does Bubbles Adwire. Michael Cleary won four All-Stars in a row between 91 and 94. He doesn't make it in. Um, Connor O'Mahony, very unlucky at centre-back as well. Shane McGrath, who we had on the show last week, unlucky in midfield. So a lot of players left out there. The main thing, though, is that when we always uh, add up to see who gets the most votes and puts them in order in, in an article. You can see on Balls.e who got the most, the 30 most votes in order. Remarkable that we had the exact same, exact same number of votes between Owen Kelly and Seamus Callanan at the top of the poll. I was convinced Kelly, I think, I think everybody would have thought that Kelly would have the most votes of everyone. He's such a cult hero and such a legend um, in Tipperary, six-time All-Star. But Callanan, unbelievable, with the exact same amount of votes. Brendan Cummins was next on the voting. That's Tipperary and that's Hurling. The rest of the show is going to be Armagh and it's going to be football. And we're going to talk to Niall McCoy in just a second. Okay, delighted to have uh, Niall McCoy on the line. Uh, Niall McCoy uh, is a journalist with uh, Gaelic Life and also an Armagh man, so he's a perfect uh, man to speak on this subject. Uh, Niall, thanks very much for joining us. This is um, this is a team, actually, when I was laying these out a few weeks ago, I was kind of looking forward to because more than any, there's sort of a, a, a bulk of one group, really, you know, the kind of like... The 99 to 2008, those seven Ulster titles. I know the 99 team maybe was a bit more of a, a hybrid, but then you're looking at that amazing group of lads that kind of like, you know, had so much success under kind of Joe Kernan. But when I think of Armagh, I still think of lads like, 
you know, uh, that came afterwards, like Aaron Kernan or like Jamie Clark or something like that, that might not have been on as good teams, but were arguably as good footballers. So it's one of those ones that I'm already kind of thinking, oh, inside the mind of an Armagh person here, what way do you put this team together? You know, you do have to consider uh, yeah. non-successful years as well, you know? That, that is the tricky thing, Mick, because I think, you know, and for obvious reasons, people would look at that 2 5 team especially, and, yeah. and you know, everything's going to have the bulk is going to be made up of those players. But there is boys that have been individually unbelievable either side of that successful team. And it's, it's always hard to justify boys that haven't won stuff. Yeah. But I suppose that's the whole point of this team. You're looking objectionably at players and what they have brought themselves to the team. Um, it's not the most successful team. It's the best players, essentially. Mm. So... You mentioned guys there like Arn and, and Jamie, perfect examples. Like, and there has been some great players, but Armagh over that you know nineteen uh, thirty year period, there's been such one period of success, and either side's been so as about Barn that yeah. you know obviously yeah. you are going to have to look at that middle ground as being the mainstay of the team for for obvious reasons. What about that era though? Like, I mean, it's funny just thinking back about it, and and not even just in the last couple of days, but over the last few months, really, when you're kind of watching a lot more old GA than you did in a long time, and you kind of think like there's there's a sense with that Armagh team that you know one All Ireland final won, one All Ireland final lost, so many Ulster titles. But I do kind of think that despite only winning one, they are kind of seen in some ways as one of the great teams, you know. And I just wonder, was there even a sense in Armagh, like come kind of 2006, when you just won three Ulster titles in a row, but the, the All-Ireland challenge was maybe fading? Was there almost a sort of a, you know, a lack, not, a lack of appreciation is the wrong word. I'm, I'm wording that wrong, but a kind of a sense of like, why aren't we living at the top table? Almost forgetting that that, six or seven year period was so so unbelievable for a county with the history of Armagh really you know yeah yeah we, we were absolutely spiced there's there's no doubt about it and I suppose when you're living in the the moment you know you, you are expecting to get back and you're wondering why it's going wrong it's only when you reflect now you realize just how good that side was as you said seven Ulster titles in 10 years to one half of Armagh's total Anglo sales yeah. you know um I, for me it's a period the start like I, I can hear for me, pinpoint the game where it started and the team actually changed a lot since that. But I remember a match against Down in 1998. Mm. Um, and Armagh weren't used to beating Down that much. But they won that match and I remember being, there being real excitement um, about the team coming through that time. Now, they lost to Derry in the next round, but that's the time you had the likes of Oshin coming through and boys like that. And they were starting their journey. And you mentioned the year 2006. I think looking back, the Kerry quarterfinal in 06, that probably was the end of this team as a a real All Ireland threat. They suffered a horrendous 2007 when they lost to Derry and Clonus. They should never have lost that. But those were sort of the start and the end of that. I suppose that journey of Armagh coming up the hill and maybe coming down at the end. And unbelievable things, unbelievable. That had another Ulster obviously in 2008, but probably just weren't an All Ireland contender at that stage. They yeah. were quite fortunate yeah. in that Anglo cell, but for the space of six, seven seasons they give. And I think they give the whole country just some brilliant matches, some brilliant memories, and just an absolute team that was just top class ever, all over, Mick. I think that's true. I don't know, um, like, you know, I'm sure you were there, but the O2 final, for me, we were doing a, a collection of kind of greatest Gaelic football moments, and we were kind of trying to come up with a short list of 16 of, of the last 20 years. And for me, I was adamant that, you know, it wasn't so much the the goal or the winning point by McDonald or anything like that, but it was the 
It was the no fans that had been on the pitch in Crow Park in four years at the time. Kilkenny hadn't done it a couple of weeks before. And I'd, I'll never forget just this like sea in the hill and the one gate opening and the stream of orange coming out. And for me, it's one of the great Gaelic football um, you know, uh, visions of all time. And, and, and um, I do think that like, there was something about that team that I think captured the entire country and not just kind of like the people of Armagh. And it, it wasn't necessarily a style of football, despite there being great footballers. But I think it was a mixture of everything. It was the, the orange, the insane fans, the lack of success that built up to it, and the football and the footballers as well. You know what I mean? And the characters that were on that team. Yeah. So I think we'll kind of never forget that Armagh team. But I just before we kind of get into um, picking the team, which again, I think we'll probably touch on some of those great games and some of those great performances there. The early 90s, right? Maybe we're a bit too young to, to kind of remember in, in, in too mm. much detail. But I was wondering, is there a sense in, you know, when the Ulster revolution is happening and you have Donegal and Down and Derry winning all Ireland and then Tyrone kind of like fighting it out in 95, 96. Was it almost a feeling that Armagh were being left behind a little bit, I suppose? And it just took that extra few years or maybe it took the inspiration of those Ulster teams to kind of get their house in order. Or do you think it's more to do with the fact that Cross McGlenn had this amazing team, started winning Ulster, started winning all Ireland, and that gave a belief and a catalyst to the rest of the county. Yeah, I'd say it's probably more the Cross McGlenn thing, and and I suppose some just really good young players coming through. I yeah. don't think the uh, I don't think the I don't think they hung on the coattails of that Ulster dominance in the early nineties. Like at that stage, Armagh wouldn't have been considered anywhere near all Ireland contenders. Remember, well, I don't remember, it wasn't that, but ninety one to play down in the marshes and probably should have beat them and it's, it's remembered as one of the worst Ulster Championship matches of all time. Darren got over the line and go on and win the All-Ireland but if Armagh had to get over the line that year you, you never would have seen them going on and winning on All-Ireland so they probably were that sort of mid-tier team view that's probably at that stage they're, you know, they're, they're trying to end it wasn't overly long wait in 91 but as the 90s went on they're trying to end the wait for an Anglo-Celt that was the main goal and in yeah. 1999, yeah. when Jarlett Burns lifted the cup, you, you saw that with the release and clonus and again the sea of orange that we saw again three years later. And probably at that stage, maybe a bit like Monaghan a couple of years ago, Armagh's mm. aim probably was winning an Ulster title. Um, yeah. That was the first step. Yeah. So then Cross came along, um, unbelievable team, and so many of that team had such a big influence on it. And I think just a combination of what they did at, at Provincial and, and All-Ireland and just... Boys, a lot of boys coming together at the right time. The two Bryans, McLennan and Canavan, putting the foundations in place, and Joe Kernan just coming in and just taking it to the next level. Like people forget how well done under the two Bryans. Like in 2001, especially that Galway match where they were beaten by a point. Like I think if they had to get over the line that day, I think there could have been an All Ireland there. But it did take Joe Kernan just come in and bring that wee bit of extra. And you know yourself, Mick, at the top level, and we've seen it, you know, carry last year in Dublin. It's, it's, it is, it's a cliche, but it's in inches. Like, you know, these teams are very similar levels, and it takes a bit of luck, a wee millimetre distance difference here and there, and that can be the, the difference between winning in All-Ireland and, and missing out. That's it, for sure. Um, well, I think we'll get to the team, just to kind of, um, just to kind of lay it out, the, uh, I was looking at the All-Stars and stuff last year, so outside of kind of that, that era that we're talking about, 99 to to 08, um, there was, I think, 16 All-Stars in that time, which is a, a, an incredible run. Um, but before and after, only uh, Ger Houlihan in 93, so, um, uh, which is probably a name that, that that's often overlooked. But um, 
So that's the kind of only all-star kind of selection. I'm very surprised, actually. I didn't realize that Jamie Clark didn't have an all-star for one thing. I would have thought that Aaron Kernan had one. And there again, they're just two people that keep coming to mind. But um, that doesn't mean there hasn't been very good players or very good performances or people that would fit lovely into a team. And everybody does this team differently as well. Now, some of the things is how would they all play together? Some wants mm-hmm. to just put the 15 best footballers. So um, we'll get yours, I suppose. We'll start in goal anyway. Yeah, yeah, goalkeeper. I suppose there's only really two candidates, possible candidates for gold, um, Benny Tierney and Paul Hurty. A bit of a, a bit of a coin toss. I say when you do get your submissions, you'll have a lot picking one and a lot picking the other. Mm. I've just went for Tierney. Um, yeah. Tierney, Benny's story's pretty good. You know, he, he was the goalkeeper for so long and then lost his place to Hurty in 2001. Basically called it a day and then Joe Kiernan talked him into coming back and it was such a colourful character. He used to he used to wear all his the alumnus jerseys and yeah. he used to see Benny he'd be out around the forty most of the time and he'd be giving you heart failure with what he was doing. But he, he did have such a big say in two thousand and two in the final, like you know, the goal match winning goal came off his kick out and I suppose for me that probably just edges him in, but a very close thing between him and Hearty, but I'll just give Tierney the nod. Yeah, for two goalkeepers to come along at the same time is always uh an awkward one as well, yeah. Um, good stuff, so I don't think too many people would argue uh, with that. The full back line then? Full back line, I'd say I've left Francie out, which I'd say might be a surprise to some. I start with Endem at Nulty, um, top class corner back, probably one of the only men that's ever had a handle on Peter Canavan. He used to do really well on Peter the Great now. Um, full back, I went for Brendan Donaghy, who's still playing now. Brendan would have made his championship debut against. Donny Gall in 2007 had a storm in debut. Probably would have won man in a match only for Kevin Cassie's last-minute goal. Just uh, Donaghy, he plays junior football in Armagh and you know, people often wonder, can teams from junior clubs make much of a difference? Donaghy's been probably one of the most consistent players I've ever seen for Armagh. He is absolutely unbelievable. He's incredibly versatile. He's had his injury problems, which has been a real shame, but... He's back again this year. You can play him midfield, you can play him centre half, you can play him full back, you can play him sweeper. He started out around under Peter McDonald 08, Joe Kernan 07. He would have played most of his ball at full back. The, he succeeded Be- uh, Francie Belly in that spot. And since then, he's just, been, he's just been class. And the only blot on his copybook is that he has suffered injuries and we haven't seen enough of him. That's the only thing because when yeah. he's there, yeah. he's just unbelievable. Um, the other player, Andy Mallon. Andy Mallon, the other cornerback. Um, yeah. Just awesome. an ab- absolute machine. Came in in 03. Came in, you know, to, to come into an All-Ireland winning team and kneel down the starting place and just maintain it for the rest of his career. Even when he when he left, retired and came out of retirement, he was back in the team. Just unbelievable strength. Brilliant reader of the game. So much speed. Just the all-around perfect cornerback. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's a that's a brilliant um, full back line. I think you've made the case for uh, Donaghy, um, especially there. But uh, I suppose people will be surprised to see Fancy not there. But I suppose Fancy Value is one of those people that's like, he's such a cult hero sometimes. It's like, mm-hmm. and as good a footballer as he was. And I mean, people will yeah. remember exactly the 2002 kind yeah. of like, it was a kind of a, you know, an answer to the critics I suppose like you know more than anything um, and I think he was an all-star the following year then he was. A, re- a really good footballer as well as a kind of a cult hero you yeah. know yeah there is that cult status with France you know and I don't want to take away from his ability because maybe that's when people think about him being a cult hero to think maybe he didn't have it but he, mm. he was an outstanding obviously a real physical presence he fitted that team so so well um, I thought you know, just 
watching back and in recent weeks, watching back the games in 0-2, I thought some of the full back lines struggled a bit in the latter stages of the championship against Dublin and Kerry in particular. Um, but as you see in 0-3, Francie had you know a super year. Uh, he was he was excellent that year, and he has he produced some brilliance for in in, in Orange when. When he came into the team, Joe was taking a chance because people did question whether he had the speed for it. But yeah. it's rare you've seen him caught out like he was a superb player. And I have it here, special mention, Francie Belly. When he when he's missing out in this line, he's just missing out. Yeah, yeah. missing out the three great players as well. Like mm-hmm. yeah, um, good stuff. Uh, that's a pretty uh, good full back line. Um, the half back line then. Yeah, the halfback was probably for me the toughest because I had three players for one position that I really, really struggled to pick. Uh, start with the two that I was confident enough on. Yeah. Aidan O'Rourke, first of all, um, noted for just just an all-around super halfback. His passing, kick passing was unbelievable. Um, his, his assist for the winning score in the All-Iron Final is probably the most famous pass in Armagh history. <laughs> Kieran McGinney probably goes without saying. You know, even bar what he what he brought in terms of talent, just what he brought in terms of leadership and drive, and you know, I don't think any player that always point to McGinney for driving him on, inspiration. Even the current players now to talk about his team talks and his motivational speeches, and just say it's just unbelievable. So those two, no problem. The next one, I had one spot left, and there's three players that deserve probably deserve their spot in it. You've got the uh, Arn Kern and Kieran McKeever and Andy McCann. Uh, you, yeah. you can make a serious case for any of them. I, I've opted for Arn Kieran, and I think just there was a consistency of brilliant performances for a long time. Um, you knew what you were getting with Arn, and he just he done it for so long. He done it so well. He's just edging out those two, but yeah. I, I just couldn't yeah. leave him out. I couldn't leave him out, and it's very harsh on McCann and very harsh on McKeever too, who who was so versatile, a bit like uh, Brent Donny, so versatile for Armagh, done so much for Armagh when maybe the chips did go down a bit after a wait, mm. and uh, just just skin of the teeth to uh, give it to Arn. Yeah, it's funny, McKeever and and Kernan are two players that jump to mind when you think of that kind of the post the late mm. late two thousands, early two thousand tens Armagh team, and and kind of being sort of dragging possibly not as talented a group through, but I, I suppose maybe. Maybe it was Kernan that kind of really did stand out in that time, particular as a kind of a leader, and did sort of stand, seem to stand out above the rest. That possibly, you know, just gets him that nod. I don't know. It's yeah. it's hard to call. It's it's a tough coin toss. It, it is. It is. But you look you look at Arn's track record and what he's won, like individual awards as well. Obviously, he's just he just had a level of consistency. Like and you know, he, he was such a good scorer too. I think that for a halfback yeah. who. If he didn't score in the game from play, you'd probably be surprised. You know, he obviously had the the free taking with the left foot, but he was such a threat in front of the post too, just making those late runs up in the wing, and, and he seemed to have a lovely style of just getting the ball over the bar. So, I suppose a scoring threat, something that you can't ignore either, Mick. You know, just yeah. just still doing it, still doing it across McGlenn. You know, um, and what what Aaron must be what 35, 36 now, and still fully fit, still flying for cross, you know, and he, that's that's testament to how he looked after himself. Arn obviously, you know, Arn always had a very, you know, he really looked after his body, really worked hard, still does that now. He always was doing stretching and all, probably before it became the, the thing that everyone done and different things like that. And it's allowed him to play on to this time. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at the rest of that back line in general, I suppose you've got Kieran McGinney, who's like, you know, three-time all-star, and as you said, one of the kind of great centre-backs and leaders of all time, and look at him now as a manager and kind of the, the cult of him. He's almost like, you know, football's 
David Fisher in a way, whatever, whatever um, you know, in terms of like kind of people just sort of, you know, see McGeady and think immediately, you know, this guy is something about him, you know, um, and to respect him and everything else. And then you've got beside him, you've got Aidan O'Rourke, who is like, you know, has been a manager himself, but is also one of the kind of most uh, kind of astute tactics tactical minds on the game and when you read his stuff and the way he thinks about football and then you've got Enda McNulty behind them who obviously has gone on to a whole new uh, you know um, field of kind of sports psychology and you think Jesus there's a lot what was going on in those armband dressing rooms back in the day but uh, these guys super smart super smart boys all round like you know could you, could you imagine the chats coming to train and in the car God knows what this book <laughs> But yeah, Pity being the, the kind of normal Gaelic footballer who's the fourth yeah. man in the car there. <laughs> it's, no, it's no surprise so many of them went in the, you know, I'd done a feature a few years ago and I went through the whole O2 squad to see what management done and it was just unbelievable. I, I, I think there was possibly one, I can't even remember who it was, who hadn't entered management in some capacity, just a natural progression. And it's not surprising when you look at them, they're all big characters, they're all, as you say, deep thinkers and stuff like that too. Um I think Francie might have been the only one that hadn't done a bit of coaching. That was about the yeah. end of it. Wow. A bit of managing. There you go. So we've got the goalkeeper and backs, and we're moving on to the midfield, obviously. Midfield, um, I would imagine this boy will make 100% of the team submitted. Um, Paul McGrain's the best midfielder ever played for Armagh. I'd say Paul McGrain is possibly still one of the most underrated players to ever play. Um, Ulster football and that's even with all the plaudits he get for me personally I would put McGrain up a total level you know around that sort of conversation oh, yeah. because I would say too he's possibly the most talented player in that 2002 team even with McGinney there um, McGrain was phenomenal um, watching back the 0 finally he actually had a tricky enough first half um, but just the second half just what he didn't do was unbelievable Um I think Oshin got mad at the match. Watching back recently, I probably would have given him a green myself. Just, and he played on the way too, so he, he had a long career as well and a lot of success. But, you know, anyone who watched Paul McGrain knows it, but I, I don't know, I hope people realise now just who, how good Paul McGrain was because yeah. he was top, top, top class. One of the best midfielders I've ever seen in my life, without that's, question. That's interesting because he did, he was someone that always stood out in an Armagh game, obviously, and and and... But I wouldn't. I wouldn't have said he had that um, profile that like a big midfielder who kind of runs a game would have. And maybe that's just because of the characters that were surrounded him in the Armagh team. But even you look now, like you know, at a, a Brian Fenton or a David Moran currently, you know what I mean. It does feel mm-hmm. like everything kind of runs through them in the Dublin and Kerry teams. Yeah. Total, as you mentioned back in the day or whatever. But I never felt that Paul McGrain got that kind of press. I suppose maybe no. it's just his character no. or something, you know. Yeah. But um, no, he definitely and I suppose deserves it. When you see like. You know, I think it's because there was so many high profiles. You had Francie there, obviously. You had McGinney, and then you had a Ford line who yeah. were all household names. And it was sort of like spreading the wealth a wee bit. And McGrain maybe did miss out on that. But I think if you spoke to anyone who ever played with Paul, they have no problems telling you how good he was. He was yeah. just fantastic. Absolutely. A two-time All-Star as well, so it wasn't as if he was completely overlooked mm-hmm. or anything. But um, no, no. I'm going to play beside him then in this fake team. <laughs> yeah, there's a few, few boys just to miss out. I'll run through very quickly. Um, yeah. Four boys... Yeah. Uh, and actually a couple of them from the early 90s. Jarlett uh, Burns, Mark Grimley, two superb feelers of the ball. Jarlett uh, obviously first uh, in 99, first uh, anglo self from 88. Um, Charlie Vernon more recently, just another great versatile player, gives so much to Armagh. John Toll, one of the unsung heroes of 2002. I've went for Neil Smith 
who would have played in very hard times for Armagh. Um, what a bad man, great midfielder, I suppose, great all-round midfielder, playing the time when Armagh were a mid a mid county, you know, Division mm. Two, Division Three. Actually, when they got to the league final in '94, I think they came out of Division Three. He had a brilliant year that year, um, beat Leash in the semi final and then lost the final to Mead. Just a boy who stood out in a time when Armagh maybe weren't just at the top or near the top table. And I suppose you have to respect the players that managed to do that when. It's one thing when you're doing it when Paul McGrain beside you, like, but to do it regularly when you're maybe in Division 2, Division 3 and struggling in the Ulster Championship, I think deserves a lot of credit too. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, lo- I love when the guys like that get their due and then I kind of get disappointed when I count the votes on Saturday then. And <laughs> and they, they, haven't, they haven't been, but hopefully enough people listen to this and that they'll agree with you and they'll get on and give, give, give them the votes. Um, so Paul McGrain, Neil Smith in midfield then um, and we move on to like, a murderer's row of a forward line um, yeah. that you have to choose from, really. Yeah, tough one. Um, well, I'll say a tough two and a half forwards are obvious candidates. Um, the two, those two are on either wing, Jamin Morrison and Archie McConville. Um, Morrison on either wing, yeah. Not, not, not much to say in either of them. Like, you know, they're, they're two obvious picks. Morrison, as, as funny as looking back, I didn't realise he was Armagh's top scorer as long back as 1994. Um which gives you a sort of an idea just how long he was producing for Armagh. Mm. He would have been not long out of that minor team that done so well. Just, just listen, Martin, for me, he's my favourite Armagh player of all time. Just, I don't know what more you could ask from a player. Uh, McConville, as I say, to use an American phrase, the, the ultimate clutch player. He could be the worst player on the pitch, but you'd never in their life take him off because when the game started to be won, he's the boy that, that done it. Yeah. Um, the half forward, the, the centre half forward was probably the toughest spot in that half-four line. Um, Kieran McGurk, the late great Kieran McGurk, uh, you know, an all-star replacement, won a Railway Cup. Uh, another boy I'd like to mention, probably Rory Grugan, who has just been, for a decade now, producing really, really good performances. Yeah. Captain the county as well, obviously there for a while, and just came out of that 2009 minor team um, and just really took the senior football well. And as one of those, I suppose, He's an old-fashioned centre-half forward playmaker, you know, a bit like what Brian McGuigan was. And Rory really has produced some brilliant stuff for Armagh and maybe doesn't get the credit. I've given it to John McEntee. Um, yeah. Again, just watching back in recent years. Um, I, Joe Kern, I remember at the time he said it, and when you watch back the old two matches, it's unbelievable how McEntee didn't get an all-star that year. He was absolutely unbelievable. And if you watch the final the first 20 minutes or whatever it was, Armagh were playing pretty well. See, once McIntyre went off, it took a good 10 minutes before they got anywhere back into their rhythm because they were totally out of sync once he left the field with concussion. Mm. Um, they really felt his absence. And for me, that almost showed how good he was and how important he was to that team that once he went off, they really suffered. And it's only when you watch it back now, you realise Kerry could have killed that game. Really could have killed that game in the first half. They were creating goal chances. They were running through. Once McIntyre went off, Armagh moved back 10 yards and really suffered the ball dried up into the inside line and he just was a fantastic player physical could pass had a great knack of getting goals at important times great in the air obviously as well um, so McIntyre completes that half forward line absolutely yeah so often in sport I find that there's 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 that guy who you don't notice him as much until he goes missing and suddenly 
the team collapses and it's only afterwards you realize what yeah. the what the common thread was and that and, and that that's a really really good way of putting of, of emphasizing just how important somebody was to a team um marzen and mcconville you mentioned there obviously there's not much discussion to have on them other yeah. than for me dermot marzen was one of those players that you kind of he was the armagh player you knew before you knew before you ever really watched him play when they were in the early uh, rounds of the yeah. of the Ulster Championship and stuff like that, yeah. and he was, and I always thought that it was, um, it was great that he was still there when the kind of breakthrough yeah. came, you know. But it wasn't like he was just a, a passenger no. either. Like they probably they needed that that scoring yeah. forward still there, you know. It was Clan Gale were a very very good side at the time, you know, very famous club at Marman. The two forwards at the time, and both of them were on the O two squad, like and. The other one, Barry O'Hagan, come on the O2 final. Bumpy was another tremendous player and probably wouldn't have been too far off this list either. Like, and mm. I know Ryan Lurgan and for the club, it was just great pride to have those two lads who grew up, played together the whole way up to, to have them on the O2 squad and have them on the field at the full-time whistle. Two fabulous talents, but Martin just, listen, from even yeah. through at minors, everyone sort of knew, just unbelievable, unbelievable yeah. player. And definitely, and, and on, on Oshin, I think then, I think Mark, uh, our, our my colleague here, Mark Farley, he'll be, he'll be delighted when he hears this to, to you to mention his clutch thing because he's been going on to me for weeks about every Armagh game he gets, it seems like the combo pops up in the last minute yeah. to get the goal or the point or whatever. They, and it, there's yeah. something to be said for that. It's a, it's a, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm a drum and team man, so I felt at a club level a number of times too. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, the O2 finally got man of the match for 40 minutes, Oshin was. Not having a good game. Missed he was, the, just, oh, it was Dub- like, against Dublin at the start of the match. I watched it recently, and I, yeah, all yeah. I was hearing about was that was his famous game. And I watched the first twenty minutes, and he couldn't kick a free over, you know. And then no, just no. takes it over, you know. Takes yeah. it over when it's there to be won. He was the there, and we've seen it. I suppose the O two or sorry, the O five was the final replay against Throne as well. Just you know, Throne had that game won, and then suddenly McConnell comes to life and kicks the equaliser and the winner, and he just. As I say, he's a boy you'd never take off. He could be two out of ten for sixty minutes, and you're still leaving on the pitch because you know he will get the winning score. Yeah, I think I've your full forward line figured out, but I'm not going to say anything because I always forget somebody really obvious in this list. But uh, yeah, no, no. Well, give me your guess. What are you thinking? Well, I hope I'm not forgetting anyone, but I I don't see how you could have a team without Stephen McDonald. I don't see how you could have a team without Ronan Clark and. I think you have to have Jamie Clark as well, but um, yes. given his talent level and the things he's done in less successful teams. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, although I do think a lot of people will disagree. I think Jamie <laughs> might make everyone's team, really? which yeah. would flabbergast me. Um, I, I, I couldn't get my head around that. Jamie Clark is one of the best attacking talents I've seen yeah. this long time. He is unbelievable, still unbelievable. People seem to think that he's he's maybe not the level is he he's just fantastic and he was fantastic for Armagh last year, really really good. Missed a goal, a few goal opportunities. Missed one against Cavan in the replay. Missed one against Mayo. Uh, spoke to him about those recently and he put a lot of blame on himself. He's talking about getting too much top spin and very technical about it. And it was just a shock to see Clark miss goal chances because mm. he is one of the best finishers in the games when it comes to goals. Um, yeah, listen, Jamie's in there as you said, Jamie. Jamie doesn't have an Ulster title. Um, Jamie hasn't really won anything with Armagh. And that's probably more a consequence of the year he's played in. Would Jamie have made the O2 team? For me, yes, he would have. Um, there's not many players have played since would have made the O2 team. But for me, I would have found a spot for Jamie for sure. Yeah. Just just class act. And I suppose the, the shame is that because he's been to America a few times, we haven't seen him 
every year for Armagh, but when he is there, he's an absolute joy, an absolute joy to watch, and still is. Um, Ronan Clark, Stephen McDonald, you know, again, automatic picks. Ronan Clark, for me, if it wasn't for injuries, we, we'd be talking about him as being one of the best full forwards in the history of the game. Um, yeah. Just yeah. everything, absolutely everything. Two all-stars. People forget about that second all-star. Um, and Stevie, well, can't say much more about Stevie. Goals, came into that team. I think it would have been about 2000. He would have come in possibly 2001 um, and just... You know, Neil down the spot was just a regular. You had him, Martin, and McCombley and Clark. Like it was an unbelievable four line in terms of scores. Just mm. unbelievable. Um, there's a few players like Hooley, Jared Hoolahan, another player who gave us all when when times weren't good. Like he scored four eight in ninety ninety three Ulster Championship. People remember that was the year with lots of replays and stuff. Uh, Hooley was a a great soccer player too, but probably the the poster boy of our man in the 1990s. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, Barr getting to the National League final really didn't have, although I think he was there, he was there in 99, so he would, would have an Ulster medal anyway. Um, who had Rain O'Neill, come back in a few years, I'd say Rain O'Neill will be pushing this conversation, just probably obviously too early, he's only in his second season, but you know, five years time, I'd be surprised if Rain O'Neill isn't pushing that full forward line. But yeah, for, as you said, Jamie Clark, Roman Clark, Stephen McDonald. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose I, I want to talk about the current team. You've, you've talked about Jamie there. The one, Ronan Clark for me, I was, <laughs> and I was looking at you yesterday, you're like, two All-Stars. I don't know how many Ulster titles. I think maybe about five and an All-Ireland. And he was so good that I, the overwhelming thing is like, God, if only we had more of him. You know, we feel like we, we didn't get the best almost of him because he was yeah. unplayable when he was like, oh, he was very young in 02, but when he developed into more of a kind of a leader take the bull by the horns player kind of as, as well as he played in 02 you know but in the, in the latter years or whatever he was an unplayable full forward yeah. you know and it's such a pity oh. we didn't get that extra five years out of him when, when you say unplayable I always think back to the match I think it must have been the semi-final in the way against Down up in Clonus and in terms of unplayable I think it was the perfect match people won't probably remember his performance but I don't think he wasted I can't remember him wasting one ball he, he literally won every ball that came in to him laid it off or took a score and it was just it was near perfection full forward play um, just he was there I actually it was only recently I realised I always thought 02 was his first year because he was only 19 but he was there in 01 he was on the squad the day they lost to Galway uh, in, in the qualifiers and just, yeah, injuries. Listen, yeah. He, he had a horrible time with injuries and that, that's our misfortune that we didn't get to see him. But a bit when he was there, he's just just unbelievable. Just such a super player, super hands, could take scores from ridiculous distances and just must have been a dream to work off and feed mm. off. You know, partnerships he had with the likes of Stevie there must have just been a dream playing with him. Because yeah. they just they seem to know where to go for the knockdowns and things like that. You know, they just seem to read each other's mind and he, he must be just a perfect full forward. I know. To have two lads like that inside at the same time yeah. is just a what a what a treat for any county. Um yeah. we'll run through the team again in a second, just get get you one fifteen. But I just want to ask you before, like you mentioned um you know, Neil there. There's, you know, mm. Charlie O'Burns had a great year. And, you know, there's a few players that have been around a, a while there as well. And I don't know, every time Armagh knocked out of the championship, there was a sense of, oh, McGinney's saying goodbye to everyone now and he's gone. And it seems like that's not in his mind at all. And actually, he feels like they're really building something. And I think last year it did kind of come true that it felt like 
geez, they're not far off. You know, do you ever get the no. sense that like Armagh will be back to at least contending again in the next like in in do you feel like McGinney's building something there that could in any way ever rival what came before? Yeah. Yeah, maybe not rival O2 and stuff, but I, I definitely think there's a team that's well capable of being a, at least a Super 8 regular and, and hopefully something comes from that. They're, they're, they're probably lacking that big game experience of semi-finals. Of, you know, they played a quarter-final in 2017 against Tyrone and were absolutely destroyed. So they're, they're missing that. They're a very young team, um, but there's something special about the team right now, particularly in the forward line. It's, it's an absolute nightmare to pick a forward Armagh attack at the moment. Yeah. Um, he, when Kieran's first few years, he probably played defensive enough football, and there just seemed to be a moment. I'm not sure when it happened, but they just seemed to change the style. And Armagh are one of the most entertaining teams to play, watch now. They score yeah. a lot. They, they concede a lot too. They concede a lot. Like you look at the Westmead match this year, it was crazy. It was dead. Yeah, or there, there there's a bit of game last year, yeah. Yeah, a bit of Kevin Keegan's Newcastle. But <laughs> you mentioned last year, like the Mayo match, if Andrew Mernon had been fit, Armagh win that match. I've, I've no doubt about that. Like, and, and that's Mayo. That's that's not a weak team. Like, that's a very strong team. Like, and they're just missing. They're missing that breakthrough win. They need that breakthrough win just to see, you know, someone like Mayo, someone possibly like Tyrone or Donegal. They beat Monaghan last year, which was a big scalp. But I suppose Monaghan, it was Malik O'Rourke's last game. We don't know what sort of state the panel was in. They won it yeah. very handily, though. Yeah. That's that's something to keep in mind. They won it by, I, I think they hit 217 two or something. But they just need a big, high-profile win just to set them on their way. Um, as I said, they start for me in 98, when Armagh beat down, I think it changed a lot of attitudes that this team's very well. Obviously, to do it in 99 again was just just brilliant. But mm. I think this Armagh team, they just need that big win to get them going. And if they can get that, then who knows? They certainly have the attack. There's probably a few question marks still about the defence. But uh, I think all signs are pointing to the league completed this year. And those two games are huge for Armagh. Because if they get up to Division 1, all possibilities are on the table for me over the next few years. Right, okay. Um, Who have they got in the first round of Ulster if it's ever played? Who have Armagh got? Armagh. <laughs> sorry to put you on the spot. I, it feels like the championship. Derry, sorry, sorry, oh, sorry, Derry, Derry. Okay, you're due right. to go. You're due to go up to Celtic Park, um, which uh, Derry don't lose too often up there. But no. they would have been going in. Would have been going in as favourites to be fair, given the yeah. respect of would have been one of them matches. Very, very tough. But you would be hoping they'd win. Um, yeah, Derry are hard to work out, but they're a good side and they have all their slot needle boys. But It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting when, the, when we do get round to going up there. When and if. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, um, Niall, thanks a million uh, for taking the time uh, to give your Armagh 15 for 30. You might just run through the 115 for us there again. Yeah. So, in Nets, we had Benny Tierney, um, fullback line, Anna McNulty, Brendan Donaghy, Andy Mallon, halfback, Aidan O'Rourke, Kieran McGinney, Arn Kiernan, midfield, Paul McGrain and Neil Smith, half forwards, Jamer Morrison, John McEntee, and Oshin McConville. And full forward, Jamie Clark, Ronan Clark, and Stevie McDowell. Brilliant. Okay, well, that's your uh, best Armagh team of the last 30 years. If you're listening and you want to vote for yours, just get on to Balls.e, go to the GEA section, and you can put in your 15. You have until Saturday to vote. Uh, Niall McCoy of Gaelic Life and uh, proud Armagh man. Thanks a million for uh, going through that team with us. Pleasure, Max. Thanks for having me.